open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 30. One of my favorite stories in the Bible because it teaches me that God will show us what to do and we have to put actions to God's commandments, don't we? Amen? We have to put actions. So 1 Samuel 30, it's talking about David and his victory over the Malachites. Now, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 29, we see there that David left his, uh, his family and, and uh, he had two wives and he left his wives and all his men, he had 600 men, they left their wives and their children and they went to a fight. Actually, they were fighting with the Philistines. Uh, that's an odd thing, isn't it? But there were, I don't have time to teach on that, but there was a reason for that. And so um, David left there because he didn't want to fight against Israel. And uh, he, had a, he had an agreement with one of the kings. And so he left and went back to Ziglag. That's a city that they had given him for his people. So he went back there, and let's start reading. And what we're going to do, we're just going to read through and stop and talk about some things as we go, okay? Verse 1, Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziglag and had overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. Let me say this, that that is not just thrown in there for you to just make a more interesting story without killing anyone. You have to understand that when David went against the Amalekites, he, he totally destroyed. He killed everything. And so normally they would go in and they would kill everything. That, you know, if they're going to go into Ziklag, they burned it down. And normally, they would have burned the women and the children and all the livestock and all that. But for some reason, they took them captive. I believe that God was protecting David and David's family. Amen? Because when we have a covenant, David had a covenant with God, didn't he? And so God was protecting it. Now, let me say this. You have to understand, David was the leader, and David was out. He had been gone three days. On the third day, he came back. And while he was gone, that's when the enemy attacked. Do you remember Pastor Jonathan sharing uh, a couple of weeks ago about asking, asking you guys how to pray that when we leave town, because many times, and David and I found this out, <laughs> when we first came to Canada, you know, every time we would get ready, we, in those days, we had to always drive to Texas, and it was 36 hours, and we didn't have money for hotel, so we would drive straight through for 36 hours to get to uh, Texas. But uh, so we, you know, we needed to kind of be rested. But it was amazing; people would come for miles around to have demons cast out the day before we left. You know, it was just like, where'd they come from? It's like the devil would sacrifice somebody to get demons cast out just to keep us distracted and so uh, we had so many things happen on the day we were leaving or the day before for years and we finally uh, you know 
we, we'd, we'd pray about it, but we finally just said, that's enough. And we started taking authority. And so we, that's how we do it now. We take authority because really the scripture in Zechariah says this, and, and Jesus quoted it in Mark and in Matthew, I believe. But he, it says that when the she, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. So if the enemy can strike the shepherd, in other words, keep the shepherd away or distracted or damaged in any way, the sheep scatter. Now let's put that in the natural. What if you had a shepherd out with sheep and he got hurt or he had a heart attack or something? What would happen to those sheep? They'd just follow each other. Sheep follow sheep. So whoever the biggest sheep was, that's, they'd all go that way. The sheep scatter when there's no shepherd. That's why Jesus is our shepherd. And that's why when we don't follow Jesus, we scatter. That's why a lot of people are scattered because they're not following the shepherd. But see, this is what happened. David was really the shepherd over these people, right? The leader. And so he was away. What happened? The enemy struck. Now, how many know that that wasn't God? How do we know that wasn't God? Well, let's look at uh, John 10, 10. Says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. So it's a thief. It's the devil that comes. But what happened? <laughs> God was protecting them and had, so they didn't die. But it says when David and his men came to the city, this is verse 3. Behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices, and they wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Have you ever cried that hard? I have. When, when you're just exhausted, you cry till you just have no strength in you. And these... Don't you remember, these are 600 warriors. These aren't, you know, women. You'd expect women to cry. These are 600 warriors. Why? Because they came back in everything. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters, and everything else was gone. That caused them to lose their strength. Let me tell you, when the enemy starts to steal from us, See, we're going to find in this, this story tonight, how can that apply to us? It's not just a story that we can read and say that's history. It's a true story, by the way. But how does it apply to me and how can I use it? Well, one thing is when you, when you let grief and sorrow come in, your strength will leave. That's why we have each other. That's why we're supposed to encourage one another. Amen? You need the body of Christ. I need the body of Christ. We need each other. Because the Bible talks about when one is weak, the other one can be strong. Right? That we can encourage one another and hold each other up. Amen? So it says that they, were, they lost their strength. These are mighty, mighty warriors, but they had no strength left in them. Now, David's two wives had been taken captive, 
Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. We see that several times in the Bible, don't we? When the people get mad, the first thing they want to do is stone the leader. Remember, they wanted to do it to Moses. They, they do it. That's what they want to do. They want to stone the leader. Well, that's what they wanted to do. Now, was it David's problem? Was it David's fault? If we were going to put fault on it? Well, maybe they said, well, we shouldn't have left. We should have stayed here. I believe that the enemy does come in and he causes us to start putting blame on people. Amen? We blame. And usually the leader gets blamed. You know, some people talk about pastors and they'll say, well, now, you know, if he was a better preacher, then, you know, this, this would be happening in the church or this would be happening or she was a better preacher, whatever. Well, Jesus was a pretty good preacher, wouldn't you say? And there was a time when everybody left him, but his 12 disciples. And one of them was going to betray him later. Do you remember that story? Someone could have said, well, he sure wasn't a good preacher. Look, his whole congregation left. See, it's not, it, you can't put things in boxes like that. So they, they wanted to stone the leader. Well, let me tell you, as God puts you in any type of leadership, whether it's in your family, whether it's on the job, whether it's in the church, wherever, anytime you come into a leadership position, you better be able to handle this kind of stuff. You better be able to say, I know they want to stone me. Have you ever had, you know, your children sometimes, children will rise up and they'll try to rebel. They'll say things that hurt you. Well, I've seen, I've seen adults fuss with a little kid, just like a, having a little fight with the, the child. You know what I mean? The kid will say, I hate you. Well, the mother goes, bah, 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 bah. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're the parent. Act like a parent. Amen? Well, it's the same thing. So David, he knew they were trying to stone him. They were trying to stone him. So what did he do? It says, let me see. He spoke of stoning him. And for all the people, here's a good point. All the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. Bitterness came into the camp. Do you know what the Bible says about bitterness? Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. When we allow bitterness to come in, it causes trouble. You ever found that in your own life? I say everybody in here has been bitter about something or been tempted to be bitter. And when we do, we allow trouble to come. It's never a good thing. And the Bible calls it the root of bitterness. But he says, don't come short of the grace of God. Meaning, if I allow the grace of God to be in me and on me, then that will take care of that bitterness. In other words, I'll walk in grace instead of bitterness. Amen? God gives us grace so we won't be bitter. So these people didn't take hold of the grace of God. They were embittered. Well, we could, you know, we could 
talk about how bad that was, but I don't know. Examine your own self. How would you act? Without the grace of God, we're no more than just like the heathens. Right? Thank God for the grace of God. And sometimes even when we know the grace of God, we act like the heathens. And God help us not to do that. Amen? So what happened? Here the people went to stone him. They're, they've got bitterness that's causing trouble and defiling many. And it says that David, what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Listen, there's times that you're going to have to strengthen yourself. You, you, there's going to be times when you can't call somebody and say, you know, can you encourage me? You've got to encourage yourself. The King James says he encouraged himself in the Lord. I like that better, actually, because that's how he did strengthen himself. He encouraged himself. How many have been in that position before where you don't have anybody to talk to or you just feel like I can't talk to somebody or you know God's saying, I don't want you to call anybody. I want you to go to the Word of God and I want you to say what God says. Amen. How about when sickness comes? How about when a symptom hits your body? What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Devil buster? No. You're going to go to the Word of God. You're going to go to the Word of God. What's the Lord say? What's the Lord say? It's, a, it's not a sin to take a... Tylenol and Advil or whatever. That's not a sin. But take it with faith and put the word in it as you take it. Amen. Thank God I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. Jesus bore my sickness and diseases. Amen. Put the word on it and encourage yourself. Listen, when you get bills, I, I tell you, uh, there's been some times, even lately, when something came up and I looked at that and went, I mean, financially, it just, it was just something. You know how it goes sometimes. You look and go, hmm, well, well. <laughs> I could have called somebody and cried the blues. I could have called somebody and, you know, as we say in the South, poor mouth. You know what that means? Poor mouthing means you just tell them how bad it is. I could have poor mouth, but no. Thank God I knew the word. And even looking at what I had in front of me, I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, there was one day that I had about two hours of really getting into fear. You ever been in fear about finances? It'll grip you. I had about two hours of it, and, I, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you I had two hours of it because I know better. But I had about two hours thinking, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do it? What am I going to do? How am I going to do that? What am I going to do? And the devil kind of comes in and helps you, doesn't he? he? He talks to you a little bit about that too. And finally, I, I just came to my senses, as the word would say. And I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'll never lack. I don't know how God's going to take care of this, but God's going to take care of this. Not my issue. This is God's issue. And I'm telling you, things turned around. Oh, I didn't have money falling from heaven, but things turned around. But first it had to turn around in here. It had to turn around in here. 
And the fear of lack had to leave my body. Had to leave, not my body, my mind. Amen? That's where your battle is. It's in your mind. So that fear of lack had to leave. So when David encouraged himself in the Lord, he was in a tough position. It wasn't easy to encourage himself. Everybody around him wanted him dead. They were full of bitterness and wanted to stone him. He didn't know where his wives and his children were. And he was responsible for all these other people that were gone. And he didn't know when the Amalekites were going to come back and destroy even the men. He didn't know that. Do you understand that it wasn't easy to encourage himself? He, I mean, that wasn't, he was just wasn't having a glory dance just because everything was going great. It was going really bad. But that's when you have to encourage yourself, strengthen yourself. How? Not in, you know, Reader's Digest. Not in YouTube. How? In the Lord, your God. Amen. So he did that. <laughs> but as, like I said, as a leader in your home, you parents, you are going to have days when you are going to have to encourage yourself. There's going to be days when you think, I cannot do this any longer. Or when you think, I'm a failure. Anybody ever felt like that? Oh, I mean, there's days when I, I would say, I'm not a good wife, I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good pastor, so I'm not a good... I did it all. I said it all. Why? Because I was having a pity party. And no one came but me. <laughs> right? So I had to get back and encourage myself. Praise the Lord. It's good to encourage one another. That's why I said we need each other to encourage one another. But there's going to be times when you've got to encourage yourself. In fact, you should encourage yourself before you ever... Seek somebody else to encourage you. Amen? We have the Word of God in us. We have the Holy Ghost in us. We have everything we need. Why are we down? It's sort of like David said in the Psalms, in Psalm 103. What did he say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who heals all my diseases? Who forgives all my transgressions? And he goes on and names all this stuff. You know, he's talking to his soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are things you got to talk to. And David had those things, didn't he? He had those times. Let me read you. Read in, uh, turn to Psalm uh, 3. Psalm 3. David had his times, but... I want you to see, David was a man, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But David messed up royally sometimes, didn't he? But this is the thing, he always turned back to God. Verse, uh, chapter 3 of the Psalm, verse 1. O Lord, how my, my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from the holy mountain. I lay down and slept. 
I woke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Now, that's, this is what we ought to be saying to ourselves, amen? We ought to be saying this. The Lord sustains me. I lay down and I sleep. I don't lay down and worry. I don't lay down and fret. I don't lay down and cry myself to sleep. I lay down and I sleep because the Lord sustains me. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Hallelujah. Amen. So he says that you have smitten all my enemies. Well, you know what? For us that happened the day that Jesus was resurrected. That when he went down and he conquered the devil and all the demons and he took, the Bible says he took captivity captive. He led them in victory. He took the keys. He took the keys of death and hell away. He won our victory. Our victory is already won. So the Lord has already taken care of our enemies. You don't have one thing that the Lord has not already taken care of. Not one. But we have to know how to get it, don't we? We have to know how to put it into action. So then David said, <clears throat> said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalekite, Please bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? Now remember, he encouraged himself in the Lord, and by doing that, it caused him to want to inquire of the Lord. Don't you think, David, he was a mighty warrior, wasn't he? He was a mighty warrior. I mean, he was a warrior even as a young teenage boy. He knew how to how to fight, he didn't he? Don't you think he had some ideas of what to do? Don't you think in his head that it was like, okay, now I know what we can do. We got to go get these people back. I know what we're going to do. Don't you think he had some ideas? Well, here's the key. We must inquire of the Lord. That's not saying you don't have a good idea, but inquire of the Lord. You know, when we were just with uh, my family, we were all together uh, last week and... Uh, and my son-in-law, he's a, he's a surgeon. And it was so wonderful as we were together, we were having fun. But all day long, we were talking the word to each other. We were encouraging each other. We were telling what God was showing us. It was wonderful. So I was walking beside side him uh, that day, and, and we were talking about, you know, what he was doing and stuff. And I said... I, I imagine there's times when your training tells you to do one thing, but the Spirit of the Lord says do it a different way. And he said, yes. You see, he has to inquire of the Lord. Don't you want a surgeon operating on you that inquires of the Lord? He inquires. I know it's a story of a great man of God. His son... <clears throat> Actually, his grandson had a brain tumor, and it was right on the stem, his brain stem right here. And he was about 12 years old. This was years ago. This man, you know, the, 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 the grandfather's gone on to be with the Lord and stuff now. But anyway, the grandson had a brain uh, tumor on the brain stem. And he went to a great uh, 
uh, he went to a great hospital, a Christian hospital. It was the ORU's hospital there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we were all praying because they were saying, we don't know what to do because, you know, if something's on your brain stem, that you don't want to operate there. I don't know much, but I know that's not good. And so <clears throat> we were praying. But the, the, the surgeon's testimony was he went to do what he, he was, you know, he was, he was a well-known neurosurgeon. He went to do what he would know to do. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord said, move over a little. And he moved just a tiny bit. And he got the tumor. And the boy lived and is now a great preacher, has his own children. Why? Because a surgeon went past his own mind and went to the mind of Christ. Amen? And that's what David had to do. Even though David was a mighty warrior, what did he have to do? He, he didn't have to, but he chose to. I'm telling you, I have learned as I get older and older, I have learned I need to inquire of the Lord. Now, you would think, well, you know how to do things. I sure do know how to do things. But I don't want to do my way. I want to do his way. And sometimes, how, do, how many know that sometimes when you inquire of the Lord, he tells you to do something, and you say, that doesn't make a lick of sense. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would I do that? It's sort of like giving, you know. The word says that, you know, when you need finances, you're supposed to give finances. Well, that doesn't make sense in the world, does it? Someone says, you know, I don't have any money. Well, in fact, I got this, I got, uh, I got a, a message from a young pastor in the Philippines this week. And he said, I'm very poor, you know, I need money. And uh, we do give money. And, and we give, actually, we give more than, uh, than what the government wants us to give. And they're watching us very carefully. So we have to be careful what we do. But uh, I, 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 I said, I will pray for you. But then I just felt like, you know what? I need to just teach him a little bit. Now, this is all just messaging in the middle of the night because it's daytime there and he, I, it's in the middle of my night. So I started teaching him and I said, you know, um, you need, you know, I don't know what you do, but you know, you need to be a giver. And so the, the law of sowing and reaping will work in your life. He says, you don't understand, I'm very poor. But you know what, I had a testimony about that. I said, I know what that's like. When we came to Canada, we didn't have any salary, we didn't have any money. We depended on, on the, the First Nations uh, men to kill a moose and, so we'd have meat and the farmers to give us potatoes. And sometimes we didn't have things, but we, I remember we made a decision we were going to give something every day, every day. And we, <laughs> I'd go in my closet, I'd get a blouse. We'd, I'd go and see if there, there was anything in, the, in canned goods. And we'd get, we'd get canned goods sent from mission, as a missionary box from churches in Saskatchewan. And, and they didn't, bless their hearts, they didn't know that you're supposed to give your best, you know. So they gave us cans that didn't have labels on them. You know, remember when they used to do that, Donna, in the grocery stores? There'd be bent cans with no labels and say 10 cents. You didn't know what you were getting. That's, that's the food we'd get. 
And, and we got used tea bags. That like, tea bags? How much does tea cost? We got used tea bags and we got canned goods that had no labels on them. So this boy, this pastor in the Philippines is telling me how he doesn't have it. I'm telling him, I know what that's like. But I tell you what you got to do. You still got to give. God gives seed to the sower. Amen. So he said, but my church has no, I mean, they're all very poor. And I said, hey, we had a church. Nobody had a job. Nobody had any money. They gave bullets and beadwork. But they gave until God started giving them money. Then God gave them cars. Nobody had a car. Nobody had any transportation. So, you know, he had to know that I knew where he was coming from. But I knew the way out. Amen? So, you got to understand that in your own thinking, you will not have an answer. You might, you might have an answer. I shouldn't say you won't have an answer. But we want God's answer. Amen? So he inquired of the Lord. God said to him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. Now, that's what New American Standard says. I learned this story when I first got saved in King James. And so when I think, of, when I apply this to my life, and I do it, uh, I mean, lots, I use the word instead of rescue, it said recover all. And, and some of you might see that sometimes in a Facebook thing when I might reply to something, I'll say, I believe you recover all. Because this, this story is so in me that I understand God says to Brownie, pursue, overtake, and recover all. That's what God said to David. So what did David do? David turned around and went to do that, didn't he? So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued, he and 400 men. In other words, he left 200. For 200 were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor, and they remained behind. Now, we're going to skip through the little, like 11 through 15 or so. Yeah, 11 through 15. They, they come up on an Egyptian he tells them about the Amalekites. He tells them where they are. He tells them <clears throat> what's going on. Because he, they had left him to die. He hadn't had any food or water for three days. David and them take care of him. They feed him. They give him water. But in that, because they showed kindness, they're again giving, receiving. Amen. So they gave and they received. He gave them information. And so they went down uh, and... Uh, uh, verse 16 says, when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread over all the land. He's talking about the Amalekites that had his, his uh, city, his group of people. Eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. That's over 24 hours. He slaughtered them, and not a man of them ex escaped, except 400 men escaped on camels. Now listen, how many men did David have with him? 400. They had many, many more. But 400 of them escaped on camels. You know what? I think it was just a sign, just... Let them go so that they can tell what God just did. 
you know, they could be a witness. They're going to get there and say, you won't believe what happened to us. Because there was only 400 men. And they, they slaughtered. They slaughtered the enemy. So what happens here? David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. Now, what did God say? He said, pursue. So that meant you got to go after it. Listen, you got to go after the things of God. You've got to go after what the devil has stolen from you. You can't get back and feel sorry for yourself. Oh, man, the devil stole from me. Quit talking about the devil, by the way. You ever been in a church service and someone wants to give a testimony and they say, oh, the devil was at my house this week. Well, shut the door. <laughs> I mean, the devil's been at my house before, but I'm not telling anybody because I'm running him out. I don't want to give him any credit. I don't want him to get any praise. That's praise to him. So he says, but nothing of theirs was missing whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves. Nothing was missing. In other words, what did God say? Pursue, overtake, recover some of it. Did he say just get the people and get out of there? He said recover all. Listen, you've got to stand and just refuse to let the devil have anything. And sometimes you're going to have to fight for a long time. Most of the time it's not instantaneous. You're going to have to stand and fight and you can't give in. You can't compromise. You know, has there been a time in your life where you, you believe in God for something and it just seemed like you just keep believing and you, finally you just say, well, okay, I'll settle for this. You settle for something less than what you're believing for because you're just tired of fighting. That's when you got to encourage yourself. That's when you got to go to this store and say, the Lord said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. I tell you, there's something in me that just wants to run after the devil. I want to chase him and say, you give it back. You know what I'm saying? You know how a little kid, <laughs> someone takes a toy and that little kid runs and says, that's my toy. You know how little ones like toddlers are? They're a little hard to train sometimes, especially if they're only children. And, and so, they, or the firstborn. They, and they start going, you know, that's mine, that's mine. And, uh, and that other child tries to get it. I, they're not letting go. Well, uh, George Pearson, uh, if you might know who, Pastor George Pearson, he taught a, a series on bulldog faith. It's a great series. You could get it on EMIC or, or Kenneth Copeland's uh, <clears throat> broadcast. But bulldog faith. I'm telling you, you've got to have bulldog faith sometimes. You know what that is? A bulldog will take something like a rope or something. They just won't let go. They just won't. You could twirl them around. They'll just go. They don't care. They'll be a helicopter. They don't care. Well, you got to be like that with the devil. Amen? Say, so you're not taking it. I have stood for my family sometimes, some of my family that, you know, wasn't serving the Lord. I'd say, you're not taking them. No, you can't have my family. No. I'm not talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about, you know, other family, extended family. No, you can't have them. You can't have them. No. 
And it looks like they have, that he has them. But you can't look at that, amen? You look at what God says. Praise the Lord. So David brought it all back. I love that. He brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle, which the people drove ahead of the other livestock. And they said, this is David's spoil. Well, if it was David's spoil, that meant he, meant he brought back more than they took. Right? Because the spoil is what you get back from the enemy. So he had his stuff and he had their stuff. Glory to God. You know what? <laughs> the scripture, there's a scripture in the, the Old Testament. It says that when you, um, uh, it's in Proverbs six thirty one. It says, a thief, when you catch a thief, you make him pay seven times. I've used that before, have you? I, I mean, I just go, oh, no. Okay, you think you, you think you took that from me? Well, you just give me seven more. You got to stand for it, amen? Hallelujah. So it says that he took it back. Then when David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Basar, they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. Then David approached the people and greeted them. Then all, now listen to this, let's read this sentence. Then all the wicked and worthless men. That's not very nice. Among those who went with David, you know what? Even David had some wicked and worthless men. They said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children. We'll give... <laughs> they didn't want to keep his wife and his children. <laughs> Take them. <laughs> they can have their wife and their children. <laughs> but they, and they may lead them away and depart. In other words, take your wife and children and get out of here. Now, the... The Bible says they were wicked and worthless. Now read what David said. Now remember David had inquired of the Lord. David said, you must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. Who has kept us and delivered into our hand the band that came against us? And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. One translation says, who stays with the stuff gets the same re reward. And 1976, I was working for Brother Copeland, and um, we all wanted to go to the meetings. You know, that would be the fun thing. Go, but a lot of us had to stay back and, you know, take care of the office and stuff. And I remember Brother Copeland came in and preached on this. And taught us how to believe God that we get the same reward. And that's what I've shared with you and you've heard taught in this church that we all share. Pastor Jonathan is in Vietnam this week. But we share. If if a hundred people get saved, we share. Because we've given, we've prayed. We've stayed with the stuff. Somebody's got to stay with the stuff. And it's wicked and worthless people who don't want to share the rewards. But a good man and a good woman will say, you know what I have is yours. That's covenant, isn't it? That's covenant. So God says, uh, listen to this. It says, so it has been from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. 
Notice God calls the people who don't want to share the spoil wicked and worthless. I thought about this when I read that. I thought about the, the older brother in the, in the New Testament story of the prodigal son. Remember? Again, my family was talking about that story this last week. And we realized that many times we've been that older brother. We hadn't been the prodigal, but we've been the older brother. Why is that one getting blessed? Why are you being so good to that one? Look what they did. It's pride. It's things that God says stinks. It's when we get prideful and it's like, the Lord shouldn't bless them. Look how they've been living. Don't you know how that, that stinks to the Lord? I think that's how those men were. They were like the older brother, weren't they? And David was like the, the good father that said, we'll share it all. We'll share it all. Romans 12, verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to, to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So we all have a part, right? You've got to understand that God gives worth to every person. In God's sight, every person has worth. And so it should be in our sight. We should value every person, no matter what they look like, no matter where they're from, no matter what their job is, no matter. Every person is valuable to the Lord. Amen? And in the body of Christ, you know, sometimes, especially with our technology today, Sometimes people tend to make celebrities out of some people in the body of Christ. And a lot of times it's not that person's fault. It's what other people do. That's not how God sees it. God values every person. And we as a church, I want us to be a church that we value everybody. Everybody, you don't have to work your way into being valuable. You are valuable because of Jesus, amen? And because we're all of the same family, amen? So David says, now when David, that's verse 26 back in uh, 1 Samuel. When David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends saying, behold, a gift for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. This is the last part of that story, but I think, and it goes on to the name who he sent it to. But I think this is very important too. When David pursued, and he overtook, and he recovered all, and he brought back, and God gave him more than was taken from him. You know, God restores double, doesn't he? God is the God of the double. When Job lost everything, people talk about, oh, poor Job. Listen. You, you need to read it without a religious mind. You needed to read it with, with the Holy Spirit. The enemy is the one that, that did those things to Job, not God. But in nine months, the Bible says that God restored unto Job. I'll tell you what scripture, it's Job 42.10, but you don't have to look it up. But if you want to put it in your notes, Job 42.10 said, God restored to Job double. Double. 
See, that's what God's restoration is. It's not just getting you back to where you were. It gets you back better. And so when David got those things back, he got more than that was taken from him, right? But what did he do with it? He had a heart of gratitude to those who had helped him along the way, those who had helped him at different places where he went, and they would take care of him and feed his men and him and, you know, give them places to stay and, and help them. He took what was the spoil, what was more than he had taken, had, ta- had taken from him. He took that and he divided it. It says with gratitude. Amen? It is right that you honor those who have been uh, good to you, that you honor those who have helped you. Amen? That you don't have an attitude of, well, I don't, I don't have time for them anymore. I've, I'm, I've surpassed them. No, always have a heart of gratitude. I'm thankful for those who have taught me the word through the years. I'm thankful for those that have helped, you know, in the church, the people that have been in the church and stayed with us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, I'm thankful. You got to have a thankful heart, amen, so that you are always grateful for those who have helped you get where you are. And David did that. That's why he was a mighty man too. He was a mighty man in different ways, but this is, this is how the story ends as he took the spool and he divided it with gratitude to those who had helped him. So tonight, I want to remind you that faith is always playing offense. You understand? We go after. We pursue. Faith pursues. We don't run from. If you feel like you're running from the devil, turn around and run after him. The Bible says, submit to the Lord and resist the devil. And what's it say? He will flee. One translation says he will run and start terror. (laughs) The devil is he's a liar. He's already been defeated. He's just, the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion. He's, he's like a lion. Because some people don't know that he's already defeated. But you know. So you have to take up your armor that Ephesians talks about. Put your armor on. Take that shield of faith. Put the word of God in your heart. And bless God, chase him out of your house. Chase him out of your family. Chase him out, amen? And put a guard around and say that you're not taking it. You pursue. I want you to have in your heart tonight. I want you to think about this. We're not going to, you know, this isn't something you could lay hands on somebody for. But I'm going to tell you what I think you ought to do because I, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord told me this this afternoon. I want you to ask the Lord just to remind you of things that the enemy has taken from you. And I want you to get an attitude of I'm getting it back. Whether it's your health whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, 
that we've already read, he's, he's one that comes to steal, right? He's the one stealing. God's not taking. God doesn't take from you. God gives to you. Amen? We're not trying, when we, when we receive an offering every service, we're not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something to you. Amen? Because we know that when you give, God will give back. Good measure. pressed down and shaken together. Amen? So I want you to go to the Lord to remind you because, you know, sometimes we just get used to something. Have you ever had that? You just, you, you fought it for a while and then you just get used to it. You just, maybe, maybe you've had a headache or you get a headache every once in a while and it's like, I, I'm just used to it. Or whatever it is. Maybe it could be anything. I don't want to try to think of stuff. You, God will show you. That there's sometimes we have just put up, let's say that, we put up with some stuff that we don't need to be putting up with. But sometimes we are just oblivious to it because we've just put up with it for so long. And that's when the Holy Spirit can come in. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Amen? Like I was telling you that day that I started getting in fear about finances, you know, as long as I was thinking about, oh, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? God couldn't talk to me. I had to recognize, Brownie, you're in fear. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So obviously, I got to get out of fear so I can get in faith. But as soon as I recognized that and repented for being in fear, that's, you got to do that. Repent for being in fear. Because fear is not of God. You repent. Immediately, that rose up in me. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. God's going to take care of me. I have nothing to fear. I shall not fear. I will not lack. Amen? And God was able to work then. But as long as you're in fear, you're stopping faith from working. Faith and fear can't work together. So get out of fear, get in faith. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand.